truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Indeed it is, live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace, Todd, and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Uh, last name is D-E-A-C-E as you email us at steve at stevedace.com or like us on Facebook where they don't like us. So keep liking us a lot there so that it might actually show up. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Slow news day. Not much going on today. Uh, It is a Theology Thursday. We will wrap up our series looking ahead to Easter, uh, which is Resurrection Sunday is this weekend. Good Friday is tomorrow. Uh, That's coming up a little bit later on. But the bulk of our show until that point today is going to be devoted to the unveiling of the Mueller report. Now, we're going to do our best to cover this in real time because the report literally came out as we were finalizing details for today's show. Uh, Originally, there were reports yesterday this thing was going to be released earlier in the morning, and so we're going to have some time to at least read through some of it ourselves. Um, And That plan either changed or was erroneously reported, so... We don't have that option. We're going to talk to uh, Jordan Schachtel, who covers national security matters uh, and, uh, for us here at The Blaze and has been all over this story. He's going to be with us on the roundtable later today to get into some of uh, the specific details of the report that he's combing through as we speak. Uh, Todd has been covering some of the coverage of the report. Uh, I watched Attorney General Barr's press conference this morning where he laid out uh, some of his specific takeaways from the report. We'll get to those here in a moment. But I think before we start breaking the report down uh, and, and talking about people's reactions to it and where this story does or doesn't go from here, does it end once and for all? I think it, maybe we need Aaron to chime in with a special edition of what happened while we are while we were away. That this sort of takes us to how we got here in the first place. Happy Mueller Report release day! Here's how we got here. Now you might believe, and rightfully so, that the genesis of the Mueller report that was released this morning was Trump's firing of James Comey and his subsequent interview with Lester Holt. However, the real genesis of the whole Russia collusion thing was an effort by the FBI to uncover Russian government interference in the 2016 elections. A part of that probe was the now infamous Steele dossier, a document which was produced by former British intel agent Christopher Steele and paid for by a notorious D.C. oppo research group called Fusion GPS. The dossier, or at least parts of it, was published in the far-left publication Mother Jones on October 31, 2016. That was the true genesis of the Trump-Russia collusion narrative that was peddled incessantly for almost two years. In the months between when Trump was inaugurated and when he fired James Comey in early May of 2017, here's a sampling of some of the headlines that were gracing our interwebs. NPR, Trump denies allegations of secret ties, collusion between campaign and Russia. BBC, Trump compromising claims. How and why did we get here? CNN, these are Trump's ties to Russia. New York Times, Trump campaign aides had repeated contacts with Russian intelligence. 
Foreign press. Donald Trump's Russia scandal is just getting started. The Atlantic. What does it mean to have repeated contacts with Russian intelligence? Vox. The three Trump-Russia scandals explained. Washington Post. Five times Donald Trump's team denied contact with Russia. NBC News. Representative Schiff. Circumstantial evidence of collusion between Trump campaign, Russia. The Guardian. Trump-Russia collusion is being investigated by FBI. Comey confirms. Washington Post. The White House serves up a red herring on Russia. Vanity Fair. The Trump-Russia scandal is beginning to snowball. Again, those are headlines from just a few months before the special counsel was ever appointed. Now, here's the stupid part. Once again, Trump could have avoided all of this, but in the days after his firing of then-FBI chief James Comey, he decided to invite NBC News' Lester Holt to the White House for a sit-down interview where he said, Uh, What I did is I was going to fire Comey. My decision, it was not... You had made the decision before they came uh, in the room. I was going to fire Comey. Uh, There's no good time to do it, by the way. On May 17th, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, acting in the stead of then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who had recused himself from anything Russia-related, appointed Robert Mueller to lead the special counsel into allegations of foreign interference into the 2016 presidential campaign. And we were off. The following are a few of the characters we got to know and know more about over the course of Mueller's investigation. Please join me as we hopefully once and for all say goodbye. Did I disappoint you or let you down? Michael Cohen, Trump's former personal attorney and fixer. Says who? Polls. Okay. Which polls? All of them. Most notably the one who paid hush money to Stormy Daniels, who was later charged with tax fraud and other financial crimes. Stormy Daniels, the porn star who had sex with our president years ago while Trump's wife, Melania, was at home taking care of their new child. But are you going to give details of that night in the hotel with the... Yes, you are. Yes. That'll be juicy. It's full disclosure. <laughs> Michael Avenetti, Stormy Daniels' attorney. All of my sexual fantasies involve handcuffs. Who was later charged with domestic assault and a bevy of other crimes unrelated to the special counsel. Rob Goldstone, the British dude with vast Russian connections who set up a meeting between Russian nationals and Trump Jr. during the election. Where's Teddy? You don't know Andy Pandy? Oh, shall we look? No, really. That's him. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You have been the one. George Papadopoulos, a low-level campaign worker for Donald Trump, who was later convicted of lying to the FBI. Carter Page, the extremely awkward campaign advisor who tried his hardest to get indicted, but alas, could not. The dueling memos of Congressman Adam Schiff and Devin Nunes, the latter of whom's memo, seriously called into question for the first time the entire basis of the Mueller investigation. Paul Manafort, who, before being convicted of financial crimes, was Trump's campaign chair and owned a jacket made of ostrich leather. Michael Flynn, Trump's former director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, who pleaded guilty to lying to investigators. Roger Stone, who's been charged with witness tampering and lying to investigators, and who has a strange fetish for Richard Nixon. Goodbye, sweet princes and princesses. The Mueller Report is here, and almost none of you are relevant anymore. I cannot live without you. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You have been the one. You have been the one for me.
the longer I worked on that, you can see the less serious I, I realized any of this is. I, I just, you weren't here, Steve. I witnessed his descent into madness. He was trying to be sober and real about this, and he was like cackling like the Joker by the end of it as he put this thing together. I've been working Penob. Uh, wow. Got itchy ears. Is that where this comes in? Um, wow. Um, Aaron's Montage today brought to you by our friends at Real Estate Agents at Trust. A company Glenn Beck and his associates started uh, a few years ago because they were tired of real estate agents who talked a good game but then didn't deliver the desired and promised results when called upon the most. And, and really, you're looking for three things uh, in a real estate agent because, uh, number one, someone who understands how to navigate has a long track record of navigating a long and complicated process. Uh, number two, uh, somebody who understands you can't really determine a home's value simply by an algorithm. Is there a reason that this most recent sale in your neighborhood was well below market value? Maybe somebody was desperate to sell uh, because of a family situation, for example. Uh, and then the third thing is somebody you genuinely like because you guys are going to be sharing a lot of time uh, and stress and pressure together while you complete this process. And what sets real estate agents I trust apart from others is instead of looking to find clients for agents, this looks to find the right agent for you, the client. If you want to learn more, just go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. When you look at... Um, when you look at uh, the uh, the homage that Aaron put together there, Todd, uh, it, it's only slightly embellished for effect because these were the names we were being told for the last two plus years. The characters, the individuals featured, the ridiculousness featured in that in that homage. We were told that they were the, the media promised us. The Democratic Party promised us they were the tip of the spear of an attempt by an insidious foreign hostile government that, by the way, seven years ago when Mitt Romney ran on, Russia is one of our biggest enemies. He was laughed at for that. Um, but uh, they were the tip of the spear of that hostile government and its attempt to uh, circumvent the presidential election and engage in what amounts to a coup against Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party. Those, those were the people. Those were the, they were the connective tissue between the Kremlin and uh, Trump Tower, between Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. Our show handled this story a little bit differently than many others did. Um. And, and our handling of it evolved over time, too, as it became less and less serious and less and less reliable. And we finally just got to the point that unless there's an actual court filing, then we just didn't talk about it um, because we, we couldn't follow the ridiculousness of this. And as you watch that homage, that's, that is... That's a nation descending into self-parody, Todd, don't you think? It's tragicomic. It's a real-life Monty Python sketch. And this is actually the first thing, before you ask the question that way, this is the first thing I was going to bring up in my uh, 
uh, surfing Twitter to kind of figure out what the people's takes were. And Ben Shapiro has been pulling out a lot. Let me read this to you because it speaks exactly what you're talking about. On the facts uh, um, that the government unlikely be able to prove beyond a reasonable, reasonable doubt that the June 9 meeting, and that's June 9, 2016, Trump Jr. in Trump Tower. With that dancing bear in with, Aaron's video. With, Russia, with yeah. Russians related to the, the, the contacts related to the real estate. Mm-hmm. And they, they were saying that they might have some dirt on Hillary Clinton. So on the facts regarding that, the government would unlikely be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the June 9 meeting participants had general knowledge that their conduct was unlawful. The investigation has not developed evidence that the participants in the meeting were familiar with the foreign contribution ban or the application of federal law to the relevant factual context. The government does not have strong evidence of serendipitous behavior or efforts at concealment. While the government has evidence of later efforts to prevent disclosure of the nature of the June 9 meeting that could circumstantially provide support for a showing of Scienter. I don't know what that means legally. Um, that concealment occurred more than a year later, involved individuals who did not attend the June 9 meeting and may reflect an intention to avoid political consequences rather than any prior knowledge of illegality. Uh, additionally, in light of the unresolved legal questions, and I'm almost done, uh, about whether giving documents and information of the sort offered here constitutes a campaign contribution, Trump Jr. could mount a factual defense that he did not believe his response to the offer and the June 9 meeting itself violated the law. Given his less direct involvement in arranging the June 9 meeting, Kushner could not likely mount a similar defense. Anyways, the point, this goes back to what I said a long time ago. These guys had, they couldn't be breaking this law. They had no idea what they were doing. They were all in way over their head. The guy in the, the dancing bear uh, guy on the, on, the sh- on the ship deck in Aaron's montage who helped organize this meeting. Do you guys remember how we how we found out about this meeting originally? Do you guys remember? Do you remember this story? I do not. He did a check-in on Facebook. Oh, yeah. At Trump Tower. Meeting with my bros. Yeah. he Like you do when you're like traveling and you're, hey, I'm at this restaurant. Hey, you know, where I went. He did a check-in on yeah. Facebook at Trump Tower. On his, on his Facebook page, he did a check-in. I mean, there's three, as far as I can tell, there's three pressure points or, or, or hinge points that drove this story. That Trump Tower meeting in June of 2016 was one. Um, and, and two of them involved Don Jr. Uh, the second was uh, his attempt to solicit information from WikiLeaks. Which would have been soliciting, which is a crime to solicit foreign intervention in a U.S. election. Unless it's Al Gore going to an Indian reservation or going to the Shycoms, then it's not. <laughs> um, then uh, the third was um, the, the, the Steele dossier. These are the three things here, as far as I can tell. These are the three, the, 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 the cornerstones of this entire Russian collusion story are these three things. We found out that one of them, the dossier, even Comey didn't consider credible. He had, Comey said he didn't consider it credible, but partisan and biased in nature. And it wasn't originally disclosed that its author was actually being paid by by partisan entities, Christopher Steele, in order to compile it. That's true, right? Mm -hmm. That's the first one, all right? Second, 
is the description you just made, uh, you just read from the Mueller report itself of the Trump Tower meeting. Can I decipher what I think as someone who's written legal briefs and, and, and they've all been from the defense's standpoint? All right. So I, let me tell you what, what I hear a prosecutor saying right there. If I were the paralegal, if I were back in my in those days writing and I was reading that for the attorneys I was working for, that's a prosecutor in my view. My, now, this is my interpretation. That's a prosecutor saying year of no BS, right? Damn, we went into this thinking we were going to, we were really going to hammer this guy and he was our real target. And we came out with nothing. That's what I hear. Yeah, that was my prediction a long that, time ago. That, Mueller was going to roll up his sleeve and say, I cannot believe these people the level- are just bad at this. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I went into this. It, that's, that is Robert Mueller saying, in my opinion. I went into this thinking I'm coming out of here with a collar named Kushner or Trump Jr. Okay. And then I went into this and realized these guys, these, this is not the Gambino crime family I put away years ago. This is it's not Keystone. Even the I just, team. Yeah. This is Keystone cops, guys. I think Todd does deserve a helmet sticker because sure. he has been very, very consistent that this is going to be a giant nothing burger. His take on Tiger Woods, not notwithstanding. <laughs> He was right all of these months. And the fact that he's still a Wisconsin fan. We let that slide. Twitter today after a year being gone because he said, I'm Todd, I agree with you on Tiger Woods. So amen. Stop stop creating Twitter eggs. And then there's the third. uh, (laughs) (laughs) He had four followers. Suspicious. Um, uh, Then there's there's the third, which was uh, Don Jr. soliciting information from WikiLeaks. Remember that was the that was the massive scoop that was one of the massive scoops that CNN had to retract mm-hmm. because it was actually already after, after the WikiLeaks had already put it out there in a in a public display on the internet and had a press release. I I, I don't even know. I thought twenty years ago, I watched a president nearly get impeached because. An intern didn't realize she was talking on the phone to somebody who was taping the conversation and indicated that she had kept as a memento address with the president's uh, uh, DNA uh, on it. And I, I don't know what to say about this. I, I, this entire story, two years of this, came down to somebody came up with a scoop about somebody doing something that had already been released to the public. A moron put on his Facebook page, checking in at Trump, Trump, Trump tower. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure when Putin ran KGB destabilization operations back in the day, I'm sure they publicized their whereabouts all the time. I'm sure they jumped on their pagers. <laughs> or they sent they sent ravens uh in El Salvador. That's not when you're when you're doing this sort of an operation, you don't you don't post it that we're meeting with the other agents, you don't That's the, Mel Brooks doesn't put that in a script, guys. You don't you don't put that on on a Facebook page. And then um, the summary that you just read. I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, if, if this would be, if, if this movie script would not be done 
it wouldn't go to it wouldn't go to to film if this was your script unless you were openly admitting this is Deadpool breaking the fourth wall kind of stuff mm-hmm. or it's 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 hot shots part do with Charlie Sheen uh, I I just invoked Mel Brooks the Naked Gun Liam Neeson's in the movie somewhere unless this was clearly that level of parody. There's no way that this would be taken as a serious story to dramatize. This is not the time. This is not the makings of a zero dark 30. And yet for two years, this came down to in the end, these three things and the ridiculous characters in that video. I just, I don't even know what to say to that. There's, a whole heck of a lot of Inspector Cluzos running around pointing fingers at the other. Um, it's yeah, it, it is. It is fascinating, though. I mean, this is this is the media who has zero cred- credibility, e- essentially pointing fingers at people who have uh, very little ability and saying you just did something. Uh, you, you know, you basically committed treason. Um, that. And we got two years of this, more than two years of it. When I was prepping for the montage today, I was I was shocked as I remembered how big this narrative was before, well before the Mueller special counsel was even um, was even appointed. Um, this was just a, a a farce on top of a farce all along. And look how much, look how many clicks we got out of it, though. So that's that's the real important part. Because look at how many side plots this thing no produced. Doubt. Careers, I, careers, made, people that you didn't yeah. know in mainstream or conservative media two years ago have become household names and major stars by by you know uh, glomming onto this story either you know legitimately or not. And in the end, that's really the only thing. Tell that uh, as far as I can tell, that's really the only interest it served. Here's what it told us. Um, uh, Trump is uh, a guy that uh, associates with shady people. Did you not know this before Russian collusion? Anybody? Did you not know this? Nope. No, but there's, there's literally nobody that did not know this. Okay. Um, uh, the media lies. Did you not know this? Did anybody, did anybody not know this? Russia likes to pretend it's a superpower, but the country that literally had to duct tape and superglue uh, toilets together and bunk beds for the media during the Olympics is 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 really a shell of its former self. Did we did we really not know this? Tell me tell me what it told us we didn't already know. So what other purpose did this serve, other than the making of clickbaity careers on? Both ends of the spectrum in the media. What other interest did it serve? What else did it do? But no lessons will be learned in the mania. Well, that's why no lessons will be learned. Yeah. That's why no lessons will be learned because at this point now, our politics goes to serve the story and the narrative and the clicks. The story, the narrative, and the clicks are not going to serve the politics. It's the other way around. The tail's wagging the dog now. Stuff is being done to produce dramatic effect, not a desired policy outcome. And if we get a desired policy outcome out of the dramatic effect, great. But but and but we'll just go on. But really, we're here for the dramatic effect. And that's why self-awareness is dead. Because 
There's just a group of people on both sides that want to believe these, these narratives, even after they're debunked. And they will continue to consume them, and thus you can continue to profit off of their desire. It's what our friend Daniel Horowitz described. This is the peddling of political porn or heroin. That's what this is. Is, you know, the, the, the black market now is the mainstream. People don't want to buy the Amazons or the IBMs. They want to consume penthouse um, and and real and Kardashians. That's what they want, and the media has clearly responded to that. And all you need is one out of a four hundred twenty some odd page document. They're just going to find one or two things to yes. then stress yep. on. I mean, if I could put Joe, you know, Joe Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the uh, Gospel, Gospel Coalition, 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 a guy yeah. you've had on your show. I used to love him. He's kind of gone underground, but he said that his initial impression upon reading the report, anyone who thinks this report exonerates the president or his campaign has lost their mind or their integrity. That's his take. Sean Davis. Um, from the Federalist. From the Federalist, yes. Now, that's, read. think about that in light of what Sean's going to say. Mueller's report concluded that allegations against Carter Page used to justify a FISA spying campaign against him were false. The investigation did not establish that Page coordinated with the Russian government in its efforts to interfere with the 2016 presidential so, election. A mere allegation is enough for a FISA. Yet, yet Joe Carter right. is over there in David French land saying that the, the, the point was never to, I mean, from a, a legal point of view, he, he he's not, it's not Robert intended Mueller to exonerate him of any possibility yeah. of doing anything wrong. Robert Mueller wasn't here to beatify Donald Trump. Correct. He was appointed to find out, did the was there collusion with the Russian government, and did the president obstruct justice in the determination of avoiding that that uh, that collusion coming in uh, into focus? And while this is, is not meant to say, we're not meant to. This is Robert Mueller wasn't appointed to tell us Donald Trump believes in marriage fidelity. <laughs> Donald Trump doesn't take the Lord's name in vain. He wasn't appointed to tell us which of the Ten Commandments and how many times has Donald Trump violated. Answer one specific question. That's that's yes. what he was appointed to do, and it came away um, as we see now. Unless, of course, you're Joe Carter or uh, in that camp, uh, it it is no. He did not collude knowingly collude with uh, Russians, the Russian government, to interfere with the election. That's he's still, um, as I noted, he's still. That didn't. Uh, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden now he didn't. Uh, cheat on Melania with Stormy Daniels. He didn't do all of the terrible, nasty uh, things that we know that he has done. It's just one question: uh, Can we? Can we? Can we multitask? Are we capable of that? Maybe that's the other thing that we. Learned I think today. we've learned the last few years we is, we can't multitask this anymore is, as this a society. Is, um, probably going to prove once and for all that we can that that's not capable. The two things two two things cannot be um, simultaneously correct. Nope. And so assertions about Trump being emotional, 
It, it, it's absurd when you have lies like regarding Carter Page and that level of of a coup attempt happening at the hands of the government. And you're, you've talked about this. You're not going to fight that, for yourself? That a, a, a total narcissist who had just accomplished the greatest personal validation of all time and then was told he really didn't do it legitimately. I, I'm, I can understand why a narcissist might be emotional mm-hmm. that his greatest human achievement is being questioned unfairly in his mind. I, I can understand that. You know, uh, 50 million Americans are going to miss work uh, this year due to pain. Uh, Americans spend over $2,000 per year to combat their pain. About two-thirds of us uh, say they expect to live uh, with some pain and chronic uh, ailments for the rest of our life. That's where Relief Factor comes in. You know, I've had a chance to see so many people already at The Blaze use this product and speak well uh, and and glowingly of the results that they have seen. I'm looking forward to trying this myself because it's 100% drug-free. Uh, it's created by doctors. You know, this is a big thing for me. All right. Look at the ingredients. How many are there? Four key ingredients that uh, help your body fight and win the battle against inflammation. And they're so confident in this product. They've, they've, they've created this thing called a quick start which gets you started using Relief Factor for only $19.95. That's like a dollar a day for a trial pack, basically. And the reason why they're doing this is because the vast majority of people who try this trial pack go on to use this product on a permanent basis because of the results they see. So give this a shot. It's a three-week quick start of Relief Factor, only $19.95. If you're in pain, what have you got to lose? Other than the pain. I give it a shot. ReliefFactor.com is the website. That's relieffactor.com. All right, when we come back, we're going to take a look at some of the highlights of Bill Barr's press conference today, what he said, and then how that jives with some of the coverage of this that you have been monitoring throughout the course of the morning here so far, Todd. We're back, more live and on demand on The Blaze here in a moment. Stay tuned. If you're trying to fight the battle of the bulge, I've been there with you. Uh, I've, uh, I've waged it. I've won it. I've been still waging it. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. But if you feel like you're stymied, you've done your best, but uh, you're about ready to say, you know what? It is what it is. Let me give you a product I think you ought to try. Uh, it's called Riduzone. All right. And the website is Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Riduzone.com. Uh, and and what sets this product different is, uh, you know, first of all, it's not a stimulant. You turn over the bottle, it's got three ingredients and rice is one of them. One of the other major ingredients, it's uh, OEA, which is one of the main substances that makes up olive oil. Uh, our bodies make it uh, just not as much the older we get. And that could be a reason why you are fighting the battle of the bulge, but uh, you're not winning the war. Uh, your metabolisms, just as we, especially as we get older, just aren't what they used to be. Or even if you're younger. And and maybe it didn't make healthy choices and, and you're having a hard time shutting that metabolism down on one end because you can't stop overeating or maybe getting it going on the other. Give Riduzone a try. That's what OEA does, helps to do for our bodies. It's a great metabolic regulator. Now you can go to the store and, you know, buy a bottle of olive oil and drink it a day. That's a tad aggressive. Or just take one capsule of Riduzone and get the exact same amount of OEA. Riduzone.com is the website, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Use promo code Steve. Uh, and you'll get to 30% off a three-month supply when you do at Riduzone.com. All right, so uh, 
the report just came out from uh, Robert Mueller publicly uh, just about an hour before we went on the air. And we have another show we tape uh, here for The Blaze. So we didn't have a chance to review this. Uh, but I did get a chance to watch Bill Barr's press conference today. And, uh, and I, I tweeted some things in real time that I thought stood out to me uh, as uh, the attorney general was speaking. And uh, I, I want to go through these individually, and then we can react to them here as a team. And then when we're done, uh, we can kind of compare notes, Todd, with what you're watching as you continue to monitor the political class's reaction to the report as they go through it in real time. All right, so uh, let's go to some of my takeaways from Bill Barr. He opened by thanking Rod Rosenstein. And why do we refer to him as that? Because he's actually, we've heard his name pronounced both ways, so we're not sure as it was covering all our bases. He opened by thanking Rod Rosenstein and Robert Mueller for their service. So right away, he's sure to enrage both sides here. Okay. <laughs> Who simultaneously think these two men are heroes and villains, just depending on whether they give them the outcome uh, that they want most days. Uh, also, uh, the attorney general reiterated that the Mueller report says no evidence of Russian collusion, despite Russian attempts to influence the 2016 election. He also went on to say that he thought all Americans should be grateful for this. Now, you're going to see a reoccurring theme here. For the second time, the attorney general highlights the Mueller report exonerates Trump of con- collusion. So that's twice. Well, for the third time now. The attorney general repeats the Mueller report exonerates Trump of collusion, but he's not done yet. For a fourth time, Bill Barr cites the Mueller report exonerating Trump. Man, four four times total. That is insane. Except we're going to go one more. Make that now five specific exoneration references of Trump, according to the Mueller report cited by Barr, who closes that portion with, quote, that's the bottom line line unquote now let me say this before we continue the rundown for those of you that didn't watch the press conference i put up a link courtesy of the right scoop to the presser on our facebook page if you've not had a chance to watch it it's only about 15 minutes and i would urge you to go watch it for yourself whether you like the guy whether you agree with what he's the level of adulting here is is rare in washington dc so he didn't just stand up there and say i just want you to know the Mueller report exonerates trump One more time. He he didn't do this five times. He went through five specific collusion allegations covered by the Mueller report. And then with each one of these five highlighted that the report specifically exonerated the White House of playing any active role in Russian attempts to infiltrate or influence the outcome of the 2016 election. All right. So that's why there's five of those is because the Mueller report looked into five specific opportunities that the Trump White House or campaign would have had to collude with the Russians. And in all five cases, they exonerated uh, the administration and no Americans, actually. Uh, They made that point as well. The Mueller report did. Uh, No Americans worked with uh, the Russian attempts to uh, influence the last election. Let's continue uh, with the rundown. Barr says that he disagrees with some of the Mueller report's legal theories as it pertains to the obstruction of justice portion. And he based that mainly on his belief that Trump was defending himself against what he viewed as an extraordinary attack on his presidency that he was ultimately exonerated for, and that Trump actually was cooperative with the investigation. To that end, Bill Barr also added this, that that, that, uh, the report offered several specific examples of that cooperation with the investigation. What did that 
One of the ways that uh, that Trump cooperated with is what we'll see next year from the attorney general. There were no redactions in the in the Mueller report because of executive privilege, meaning no attempt from the White House to say, hey, that's sensitive to our dealings uh, in the public eye. We don't want that out there. They offered no redactions uh, due to executive privilege. In fact, Trump himself did not request any redactions. So keep in mind, if you're watching things today and I've not had a chance to go through the report, But if you're watching people on the other side of the aisle or the media, but I repeat myself, point out things that they think fits their narrative and don't make Trump Trump look good, understand going in that the president could have requested redactions, could have requested any sort of executive privilege to frame this in any way that he thought uh, would be less embarrassing. And he and his attorneys passed up that opportunity to do so. All right. So that's uh, that's something to keep in mind. Let's let's conclude here on the rundown. Barr said that he met with Bob Mueller about obstruction, the obstruction portion of the report back on March the 5th. And Mueller made it clear the reason he didn't give a prosecute prosecutorial recommendation on that front had nothing to do with Department of Justice guidelines that a sitting president cannot be indicted. So this was a question that Mueller, I'm sorry, that Barr was asked. And he was asked, did did Mueller tell you, indicate that the only reason he didn't offer a prosecutorial uh, judgment on the obstruction question simply because current Department of Justice guidelines, and he's a Department of Justice employee uh, as the special counsel, current Department of Justice guidelines don't permit you to indict a sitting president. And Attorney General Barr said he specifically asked that question. And Mueller said that had nothing to do with his determination not to give a prosecutorial judgment on the obstruction of justice charge. I think that's an important distinction as well. Can I comment on one of, thing? Of course. Uh, on that last one. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that that's not still the department's guidelines. It just means that Mueller didn't use that as a yes, reason. Yes, yes, yeah. That, meaning that Mueller didn't use that as an out not to take a specific Correct. stance. Okay, that's a, that, yes, that's a good distinction with a distinction. Uh, uh, Attorney General Barr, this was also in response to a question, uh, said today that he was only focusing on the outcome of the Mueller report and not the origin of the allegations that led to the investigation itself. And you might recall that about a week ago, uh, the Attorney General announced he is going to do some investigating as to where the idea of this story that went off the tracks and led to a two you know year uh you know calamity and a special counsel investigation and millions and millions of dollars and everything else where that ultimately came from uh the attorney general said he would also this was also in response to a question said he would not stand in the way of robert Mueller personally testifying to Congress. He would have to sign off on it since Mueller is a DOJ, Department of Justice employee, and as the Attorney General, it is uh, uh, it is the Attorney General who is the head of the DOJ. So he said he would not stand in the way of Bob Mueller per- personally testifying to Congress. And then finally, and you can see throughout these, I've made very little, if no, no editorial comment. I'm going to end with a little bit of one. You know, I've been a reporter myself, and I understand why, even when you're not being biased, I saw some people attack the press for asking no questions really about the Trump's exoneration and going right to obstruction of justice, giving them the most benefit of the doubt, even when you're not uh, being biased. I understand why they had to jump right to obstruction because they were going to be given limited time for questions. 
to have access to the attorney general. And that is where Barr himself indicated there was tension. Barr himself was the one who said he didn't agree with all of the legal theories posited by Mueller in the report. So Barr is the one that tells you there's tension there. Okay, so I understand why they would have jumped right to only asking or predominantly asking about obstruction. However, if you watch that presser, and I did, the way those questions were framed, I found them to be embarrassingly partisan in their premise. Embarrassingly partisan. Okay. Hostile? Hostile. Foreign government? Yes, yes, yeah. So even giving them the benefit of the doubt, the framing then after said benefit is extended, was just embarrassingly partisan. Did anybody throw a shoe at Bob Barr? <laughs> or Bill Barr? I should say. So looking back now at this rundown, any takeaways on that before we then start juxtaposing it with what you're seeing from the political class as they go through the report itself? Well, I see that Bill Barr is the opposite to me of James Comey. As I said early on, James Comey was a guy who really liked to do a tap dance routine way before we got involved in in this story. Uh, And Bill Barr, uh, I mean, his handling of that um, question about this being unprecedented. Mm -hmm. And yet the the, the reporter, you know, thought she had him cornered. And he just, he, he, I mean, he's clearly read your book. He turned the premise around and said, well, do you have another example? Never raised his voice, never changed his tone of voice and deconstructed her in about a minute and a half and pulled her pants down, basically. And that is the kind, you've called him a bushy. I I don't know. I really don't remember. He's a bushy. That's not, that's not in debate. But I just put aside any labels of anything like that. That's the kind of grown-uping we need more of everywhere in every level of government frankly just do your damn job if they had three to put it another way todd what you what you just said if they had three guys like bill barr um if, if the trump campaign had had three or four guys like bill barr who were actually managing things i don't think i don't think we would have even gotten this far with this because they're just grown-ups they're just acting professional yeah. and of course there's always room to screw up in the end and we we know that and we know that all too well but the 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 clownery the clown the be clowning of of themselves by some of those people on trump's campaign staff um i think it yeah. could have been avoided just three or four people yeah actually running the show kind of like kind of like we've seen from from bill barr uh man the the stark contrast between those and types of people i'll bet he really probably doesn't like donald trump very much but he got to the point with all this that we got with kavanaugh he's like i this is inconscionable yeah, Mike, i think this is an important point you're making because when i say he's a bushy that doesn't mean i don't think he's good at his job no, it doesn't mean no, like no. he's a professional that is but he has run in the comey muller circles his entire career correct him and muller's wives are in a bible study together they have served in the department of justice together for decades longer than aaron's been alive longer than aaron's been alive this is these are simpaticos they're from the same generation they 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 all came up in the reagan bush years together all these people did all right and they have all served in the same enclaves together they are far more friendly to Trump is violating norms yes. than uh, hashtag Brexit for Evs, y'all. Okay? So that's an important distinction that you're making. That I get the sense Bill Barr came to the same conclusion with Trump and this that I did with Brett Kavanaugh. 
I don't believe he'll be a good Supreme Court justice. I believe he will be the embodiment of every Supreme Court justice the GOP has appointed that has disappointed us or federal justice, which is legion. And there's already evidence that we're already going down this road. That being said, we cannot set the precedent that we can, without any evidence, in fact, when the evidence points in the exact opposite direction, we can just go now out there and just openly Game of Thrones this thing and Red Wedding, everybody we disagree with in broad daylight, shamelessly, and then put it on camera and get clicks and cable news uh, hits for it afterwards while we belly laugh. That's how a society ends. And we're trying. We're trying. We're trying to do this. Yes, we are. And that's a bigger principle to me than just another shrimp on the Barbie of disappointing GOP judicial appointments that I've been living with for 25 years. Okay. This is the kind of stuff where you go from zero to 60 as in in a cultural devolution like that. And that's where I kind of get the sense this is where Bill Barr is at because he's getting nothing out of this. He has no career that needs a kickstart. He has, he has no legitimacy that he needs to glom on to Donald Trump to get. He came out of retirement to take this on, going up against a lot of his own peers and some of the people that advanced his political machinations and got him to where he is looked at as an elder statesman. And I, I, do, I get the same vibe you do, that this is almost just like, I don't, this is, we can't, set the precedent that this is almost like in a way his Lindsey Graham moment where Lindsey Graham stood up there during the Kavanaugh hearings like sure I can't believe I can't believe that the Steve Daces of the world are actually right about any of this I mean we gave you we wanted the, the, the base that we both hate I hate my base just as much as you Democrats do we gave you the judge that they didn't want so we could avoid all this and go home and fake campaign for the for the for the midterms you decide to turn this into Clarence Thomas times 10,000, and this guy is way to the left of Clarence Thomas. That's not the rules of engagement around here. We got a nice little club going here. We all agree on how we're going to screw over the conservative, you know, populist base together. You're totally violating the, the social compact of the Senate here. This can't stand. You, you don't get to do this to people like us. You do this to Russ Vote, who taught at Wheaton College. You don't do this to... Us, not, not, no, no, we're, we're part of the mutual admiration society here. And I get the sense Bill Barr is just like, this is the violation of the rules of engagement, guys. This is, this is, uh, you know, uh, Mad King Baratheon kind of stuff here. We can't do this. So I've been reading up on this because this is all everybody in my world is talking about. So I'm trying to act like I'm educated on this world. Okay. We can't, we, but this is where, if, if, if the elites set the cue that this is now permitted through the Overton window, this is the cow that kicks over a lantern that starts the Chicago fire. We, we won't put the genie back in the bottle from this point on. And I, I do agree. I think that's part of what's driving the impulses of Bill Barr here, Todd. I think you're right about that. No, yeah, every once in a while. I, but the, it's not I, even Friday. It, it's a, now, are these impulses going to continue to uh, grow and thrive, toward, and we—I think we already answered that question. We, the answer is probably no. We said that earlier in the show. I mean, they, those kind of instincts simply need to kick in to more people. Uh, as it, otherwise, I mean, you want to talk about—we still have a wall of some kind. The White Walkers are on the other side. We want to go full Game of Thrones, you know. Mm-hmm. But how much time do we have left? 
very little if instincts like the ones you're talking about about normal people on all sides of things don't start to kick in. It's not like Trump hasn't given you reasons not to vote for him. If you don't want to, if you don't want to like him, he's given you reasons for that too. This this document actually gave you more. This yes. is a, again more. It's a clown college he's got going on over there. But we can't get to the point where the truth isn't good enough on any level right. for us, no matter how bad it is about Amen. the people we don't like. We're just going to make up worse stuff now. Last year, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office released a grand jury report noting that law enforcement had received a couple of thousand complaints about deed fraud, and almost all of them resulted from what they euphemistically described as a, quote, faulty notarization. Let me, year of no BS that for you. Forgeries, attempted forgeries. That's what that's a reference to. Uh, And what's happening is criminals are looking for vulnerable properties, scanning the obits. Uh, All of our home titles are pretty much online now. They can forge a signature, forge a notary uh, public, and lo and behold, they have taken the most valuable investment for most Americans, our own home, away from us. Don't let that happen to you, especially when for just pennies a day, it won't with our friends at Home Title Lock. They will put a virtual barrier around your home's title and mortgage, and vis-a-vis, therefore, the equity, the true value of it. You can go to HomeTitleLock.com right now, register your home to learn if it's already been compromised. And this is normally a $100 value. It's called a title scan, and it comes with a report too. But today, it's free for our fans, viewers, friends, listeners, family here at The Blaze. Register your home right now for free. Find out, are you safe at HomeTitleLock.com? That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right. Do you have any other observations that you want to, because uh, we're about out of time this hour, you want to carry over and share uh, with the audience uh, at the top of the next hour? Yeah, you know, I, I was going to give you a little bit of taste of what uh, the press was instantly going with. But, you know, those guys are like we were racing to keep up. I mean, I think that can wait until we see what the dominant themes are. All right, so we'll come back. We'll kind of put try to put a bow on this. We'll have Theology Thursday. We'll have some more fun with this report as well in a moment. Stay tuned. We're back with Hour 2 here, live and on demand on The Blaze. Steve Dace, and Aaron McIntyre, and you. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook a lot because they don't like us there. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name for those of you listening today via Blaze Radio or on the podcast, D-E-A-C-E. And if that's you... Um, if you've got a minute today on the podcast platform of your choice to leave us one of those five-star reviews, we would greatly appreciate that. And we appreciate all of you that have done that for us already. We've got a truth bomb coming up here in a few minutes, Theology Thursday, which will conclude our series looking ahead to Easter. That's coming up as well. Um, Patriot Mobile uh, is is a company I want you to take a look at. And, and here's why, because you, you can't live in America today, basically, without a mobile phone. In fact, Odds are you're you're probably more like me that you don't have a landline in your house than you because you're just all mobile phone now. Uh, then you don't have a mobile phone. So when you look at these companies, they pretty much all have the same networks. Don't take my word for it. There, listen to them; they'll tell you. I mean, when they compete each other with each other now, they're literally saying use our network instead. It's the same network they have, but cheaper. Uh, there's like a 1% nationwide difference among these, ver- one way or the other, among these various networks. You know, in individual places where you may live, certain networks, you know, you may have this network is weak here. I get that, you know, and if you got to make that choice, hey, we got to eat. I get that too. But 
if that's not, um, a, you know, a situation for you, you need to understand what, what separates these companies then is where they spend your money after you give it to them. And a lot of these mobile phone companies are like the big tech giants. Uh, they're all in for the spirit of the age progressivism. That's why I think you need to take a look at Patriot Mobile. It's a veteran-led company. It's America's only conservative mobile phone company. And when you pay your bill, when you sign up with them, they're going to use that money to actually support causes, organizations like PragerU, Alliance Defending Freedom, that you support as well. And they've got plans starting as low as 25 bucks a month. So why not check them out? 1-800-A-PATRIOT is the phone number. 1-800-A-PATRIOT. When you give them a call, uh, use the promo code BLAZE and they'll waive your activation fee. Or as you can see right there on the screen, you can just go to patriotmobile.com slash blaze patriotmobile.com slash blaze and they'll use uh, they'll give you that activation fee waiver there when you visit the website as well so we've been wrapping up uh, our preliminary thoughts on the Mueller report uh, when it unveiled we didn't get a chance to read through it ourselves because uh, we're trying to analyze this in real time we we earlier if you're just tuning in we earlier gave you attorney general bill barr's press conference and our takeaways from that uh aaron i thought did a fantastic job of kind of getting us to how we arrived at today. Todd, you have been following the, re- we're, by the way, we are going to get Jordan Schachtel, our national security expert, who's been reading through the Mueller report uh, all morning and afternoon here today. Uh, he's going to join us on the Blaze Roundtable, and we're going to kind of get his major takeaways uh, as a kind of our subject matter expert. That's coming up a little bit later on. You've been, though, covering the reaction to the reaction. All right. Give us a, give us anything else that uh, you're noticing out there that you want us to discuss well, or our audience to pay attention to. A couple uh, reports from the media and or the left. Uh, Nate Silver, uh, pretty sober minded. He says 538's uh, election analyst, a- analyst. Yes. It seems like if you're really surprised in either direction by what's in the Mueller report, you should probably reevaluate your news consumption habits. I think that'll preach. And then he goes on to say uh, that um, he, his. His assertion is that Mueller says his conclusions could conceivably be different if not for witnesses lying, invoking privilege. And he goes on to quote, the investigation did not always yield admissible information or testimony or a complete picture of the activities undertaken by subjects of the investigation. Some individuals invoked their Fifth Amendment right against compelled self-incrimination and were not in the office's judgment appropriate candidates for grants of immunity, uh, individual... Even when individuals testified or agreed to be interviewed, they sometimes provided information that was false or incomplete, leading to some of the false statement charges above. He goes on later. Accordingly, while this report embodies factual and legal determinations that the office believes to be accurate and complete to the greatest extent possible, given these identified gaps, the office cannot rule out the possibility that the unavailable information would shed additional light on or cast in a new light the events described in the report and adding to that notion gregory court usa today uh, said uh, president trump asked white house counsel excuse me uh and i haven't heard this name before perhaps you have steve don mcgann yeah he yes to I've have mueller yeah. removed from office when it became a story trump told mcgann to deny it mcgann refused and also in his written answers to questions trump said more than 30 times that he did not recall or remember or have an independent re- recollection of events. I chose to add those, both of those right now because as passionate as I've been about uh, what I claim to have been the truth of what has been found on this, I, I can totally believe 
what I just read there in regards to uh, Trump and company not being honest all the time, uh, misremembering things, things like that. That, that, that. Both things can be true I mean, at Sarah the same Sanders, time. From what I understand in the report, Sarah Sanders admitted that to, to the investigators she lied uh, about the nature of the Comey thing to the press um, and then came clean uh, to the investigators. I mean, I, I think if you if 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 you want to if you need to believe see i think donald trump is a victim here i also don't believe he's the hero either oh okay? amen amen you know and i understand that's going to infuriate like all of you because you guys really need your orange oh. man bad cheeto jesus saves. it's already I on get twitter that. it's already yeah, there. I, I know that okay i know that and i and I, I and i can't do anything about that you know i'm not i'm not purposefully trying to frustrate you let me give you an example from earlier, from early in my career. The, the first time in my career, I was really on the inside of a story. And I, I ran a, a website and magazine called Cyclonation. And uh, it was the, it was the, you know, you have these made these three or four major, well, now there's like three, two major, you know, college sports networks. And they have websites for all of the big teams. And, you know, uh, now it's, uh, Maven and and two four twenty four seven and rivals. Back then it was Scout and Rivals, and I I own the Iowa State site for um, for Scout. We're like more than fifteen years ago now, right? Yes, because this is the beginning of me and you knowing yeah. each other. Yeah. I mean, this is my this is me beginning to get into. I I mean, I was only a couple of years into a full time sports talk radio right. career, right? So this is very early in my career. Two of my children aren't even born yet. This is two thousand two when this started. And uh, in the middle of a couple of years into this endeavor, and so what happens when you run this magazine and website is you get access because you're you're doing advocacy journalism. You you are advocating for the school. You know you are, and and you get a chance to say things in advocacy on behalf of the program and the fans that the program and the fans maybe don't want to have to say themselves. That's and why those products work. That's why they work. Yes, and in exchange for that, you get access to maybe breaking information that you know the sports reporters at the Des Moines Register mm -hmm. don't get first. Which recruits commit? You know, uh, breaking ground on a new facility here, things of that nature. All right, and um. There was a major controversy, and if you were a sports fan back in this day, you heard this story. It was it was the number one national story for a couple of couple of weeks in sports. And what had happened is our basketball coach Larry Ustashi had stayed behind uh, after a loss at Missouri to party with some coeds, and there were pictures that surfaced. This was the early days of the internet; social media had not even debuted yet. And so these forums and these sorts of things, most people didn't couldn't even take cameras, pictures on their camera, have cameras on their phones yet. All right. Uh, and so this was the early era of the, this was one of the very first things that ever went viral in in modern sports media. And it just so happened to catch Larry Eustachy with women, uh, cases of Natty Light. So his team is trudging through a blizzard on the way back to Iowa while he stays behind to get his drink on with coeds. And it becomes a huge national story. And they're going to try to fire him in the middle of the season. And it's it's everywhere. And so after the season is over, Iowa State starts doing its coaching search. And the athletic director at Iowa State at the time, him and I got to be good friends. And they did their interviews of new coaches in Des Moines, not far from where I lived. He was literally calling me after and telling me who they were interviewing. He actually came to my house. I lived in a different suburb at the time. He would come to my house after the days of interviews to give me the rundown of what was going on. 
because he wanted to he wanted to use me to get the most accurate information out there of what was happening. Well, I was I, I can't have a better source. No one can. There there is no better source you can have in this story than the individual that's actually going to make the decision in doing the interviews. And I would get conflicting information from him all the time. And so people thought I was just making stuff up. When really, and in the end, the process ended with Iowa State hiring an assistant coach because no one else wanted to take the job. One of the reasons they didn't want to take the job is they didn't think this AD knew what he was doing. And so they ended up having to elevate an assistant coach from, uh, and then that assistant coach and the AD were all gone within a couple of years after this too. Now, I can't just say at the time that if you feel as if my reporting and analysis of how Iowa State's hiring its new basketball coach is frustrating you, trust me, I'm actually giving you the most accurate portrayal of what's happening. Because to do that would be to throw the university, the AD, all of my sources under the bus. So I just have to sit there and bite the bullet. And I got people accusing me of making stuff up. because I'm just looking for content during a slow season for my sports talk radio show, right? Okay, so I, I just kind of have to sit there and take it. I'm, I, I, I was gaining nothing. I gained nothing by whatever, whatever audience I gained by making stuff up, the long-term damage that would be done to me for being known as that level of an arsonist in this business, I'd, be, I'd, I'd, I'd have not survived to get to the point I'm at now if I was actually doing that. But at the time, I just had to take it. Because if I say out loud that, guys, the problem is the AD doesn't know what he's doing. I can't do that. <laughs> All right. There's always trade-offs with having sources. Yes. Always. So I'm I took the heat thinking in the long run I'm probably going to be here longer than Bruce Vandeveld is and I turned out to be right about that. That's sort of what what I'm I'm kind of replaying that experience with this story. Here's what ha- here's what we know. Donald Trump didn't collude with Russia. He's not a Russian agent. He's not a Russian asset. And he never was. That doesn't mean that he's not A, B, C, D, E. It doesn't mean any of those things. And if he's enough of a villain to you, that all those other things we know that he is aren't good enough, but you needed him to be the Kremlin conspiracy at the same time, I, that's a you problem. I, I don't know what to tell you. But I'm, I'm not here to rub your belly. I'm not here to rub your belly and tell you, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry the economy's growing. I'm sorry we, are, have this, we, we staunchly support Israel and finally move to the embassy. I'm sorry there's fewer people on unemployment and food stamps. I, I'm sorry you're disappointed by that because you need an orange man to be bad. I'm sorry, but that's really your fault, not mine. I'm telling you the truth. And it's not, you know, because I'm the oracle at Delphi. It's because I'm just, I'm, I'm just repeating what we know the truth to be. I'm not the source of the truth. I'm the messenger here. And so if, if all these other things you already know about him aren't good enough for you, an orange man needs to be so bad that he is this too, then, man, that's... You're giving him way too much influence over your life, really. As William Shatner once said in one of the greatest SNL skits of all time, get a life. Have you ever kissed a girl? (laughs) 
On the other hand, though, all these things out here, A, B, C, D, and E, we know about Trump, they're all still true. They're all still true. He's just not a Russian agent. And if you need to believe, he is the most biblical president we've ever had. We will never even have another biblical president. In fact, we should just not have presidents anymore. Because we should just stop. Because they could be no better than this one ever. If you need me to say, because he's not a Russian agent, he, um, he didn't collude with Russia, the economy's growing, fewer people are unemployment and food stamps, I approve of his Israel, Israel policy. If none of those things are good enough for you, but I'm not willing because of A, B, C, D, and E that we also know out here, I'm not willing to go where you're at and say, bring out your dead, Cheeto Jesus saves. That's a you problem too. And I'm, I'm not here to, to, to pet you and love your monkey. I'm, I'm not going to do that either. And from what I can read, having had a chance to scan through some of the excerpts of the report that Shapiro has put out there, where he's just, he's just block granting excerpts of it. From what I can read, this report seems to me to be a, a prosecutor that, or at least a team of prosecutors that went into this thinking they were going to be Elliot Ness. And they still really want you to know Donald Trump's not a good person. But in the end, uh, narratives and wishes that were horses and um, uh, what you want to be true doesn't win in court. What you can prove does. And so we're back to where we started. For some of you, there's no matter what else he does, he can't do anything right. And for some of you, no matter what else he has done or will do, he still can't do anything wrong. I don't know that for me, from my perspective, things have changed all that much. You? Oh, no. None at all. I just want to say, um, Ty, you and I will need to have a little bit of an intervention uh, with Steve because the last five minutes, um, they're just things that um, you would expect a sellout and somebody who hates America (laughs) to say. So, yeah, we need to have an intervention. I cucked myself. Yeah. You know what? Let's have some fun with this story, shall we? Let's get to today's Truth Bomb, brought to you by my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise, available wherever Kamala Harris's books are sold, apparently. We're right next to hers for reasons only Allah knows, the only deity acceptable to invoke these days. Uh, You can just instead, if you don't want to gaze upon Kamala Harris's mediocrity, uh, you can just go buy a copy of this yourself right now. Uh, at Amazon.com, where you will get more uplifting and encouraging insights like the last five minutes of this show. (laughs) It's just in book form, longer, more words, and even more excruciating. Endorsed by a lot of people you like more than me, Mark Levin, Ben Shapiro, Glenn Beck, Dan Bongino, Matt Walsh, etc., and if you've had a chance to read the book, if you'd t- take the time to give us a, a nice review at Amazon, we would appreciate that. Thank you to any of you that have done this already. Man, I've had nothing to eat today. I'm doing the 16-hour fast, 
And I'm like Rick Majerusing all over the place with air bubbles. I'm sorry to the uh, audience. I don't know if any uh, slight belches I've got out there, but excuse me, I apologize. Maybe you all need that a cough I heard drop. is, yeah. <laughs> what was that? Maybe you need a cough drop. <laughs> all that I heard is just you talking about how holy you are for fasting. But, you know, we won't talk about that, Steve. Nice. Nice. No, it's because of how doughy I am that I'm fasting. Yes. Um, I put this up last night for fun. Just, you know, I get in those moods sometimes. I'm in those, I'm kind of tired and I'm, you know, everything's kind of nuts and funny, you know? Punch drunk. Yeah, punch drunk's a good way to putting it. I put up on Facebook, uh, how does your family traditionally celebrate Mueller Report Eve? Do you open one present early or share a glass of a special beverage? The wife and I typically send the kids to the grandmas to set the mood. If you married folks out there are picking up what I'm laying down. That's what I put up there last night. Okay. Some of these comments, guys, are just incredible. Incredible. Todd Hansen. Mueller Report Eve used to mean something in my house, but now it's so commercialized and it started earlier and earlier. I thought you wrote this. Uh, this year, they this year it started two years early. My family and I used to always eat at Chick Fil A for our Mueller Report Eve dinner. You thought this was my burner account? <laughs> this is great. Now we can't even do that. I also refuse to listen to any Mueller Report music before Trump dossier day has come. Alas, I probably won't even put up any lights or decorations this year. That that is great. It's 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 also not alone. Uh, Jessica Helms, in response, tweet or fate, she commented back to me, "Bow chicka wow wow." Very well played. And fellas, if she's not married, the woman who com- says that in her comments, that's the one you want to go for. Amen. And Chick Fil A, yes, yes, and Chick Fil A, yes, she hit all the boxes, yes. Um, Charles Emiletta wrote, I called my liberal girlfriend and asked her if she was up for some action tonight. She told me, no, I'm going to have a headache tomorrow. (laughs) Jonathan Putney says, we ate the traditional Korean cold noodle dinner, Chor Myung, wrote the traditional birthday cards and checked for mom and dad. Happily, their birthdays are five days apart, so we're saving on card and postage. We watched the traditional Guardi uh, Grand Slam. Uh, Oh, crap. Click, click, click. There it is. For his 100th career home run game winner um, over the over the, uh, over the the World Series champion uh, Red Sox and watch the traditional See No Evil new episode and traditional Forged in Fire rerun. So all in all, a very traditional Mueller Report Eve in the Putney household. Donald Finstan wrote, so Steve and the wife are painting a room. I know exactly what you mean. Billy Rodriguez the children are grown. Our memories are still good. Uh, that's a nice little reference there. Oh, this is a good one. Da- David Joseph Tata. Our household doesn't believe in secularizing such a holy occasion as Mueller Report Eve. <laughs> no, he actually, seriously, guys, he actually brings up a really good point. Um, 
I, you know, as much as our culture loves to celebrate and Western culture for hundreds of years now has loved to celebrate um, uh, Molar Report Day, Molar Report Release Day, its origins are actually are pagan and we really should um, avoid it. And I'm really, I, I do have mixed feelings and I do just want to passive aggressively say that you are in grave theological error and heading for hell, Steve, for having us celebrate this momentous day. But at the same time, I love you. Love you guys. Well, and but I, I, it's because it came from the Catholic Church. Yes, Todd. Yeah, uh, it's a you know it's another relic, uh, iconography of the Catholic Church is Mueller yeah. Report Eve. Yeah, and there's yeah. no possibility. Do you guys like rub the Mueller Report? You yeah. know, while you're praying to the Virgin Mary, is that what you guys do over there with the Mueller Report Eve holiday? You guys started. There's a reason why the reformers stopped celebrating Mueller Report Eve. We should follow their lead, Aaron. Don't yeah, you think? It, it, indeed. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I feel <laughs> I feel dirty. Feel dirty even talking about it right now, but really, this is this is something that we need to take a little bit seriously. This is akin to Halloween and East. Don't even get me started on Easter, but Mueller Report release day. This is a day that Christians really should not celebrate because we are celebrating pagan gods of some sort that I can't pronounce. But go ahead. Chris Roman says, "As for me and my house, it's a day of reflection." <laughs> some of these guys, I mean. I'm very proud of you. I, 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 I'm very proud of you. We, Troy Vicker, we set out vodka and cookies yep. for Sanders Claus. And then we go caroling door to door, singing the Kazakhstan national anthem Borat remix. That, that's really good. And we're going to close with this. No, we got two more, two more. Steve Shasta says, Every year, I ask my wife if I can give her the full release, and she says no. <laughs> I'm dead. Of, of the Mueller report. Of the guys. Mueller report. Yeah. I'm dead. I'm just dead here now. I'm dead inside after that. I was homeschooled, so I have no idea why you guys are laughing. Boom so roasted, okay? Locker room humor. Uh, this is we're going to close with this from Scott Miller. For be us, than that. It, it's close, but this one's near and dear to my heart, and I think you'll get why. For us, Mueller Report Eve is a time to trumpkin spice all the things. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, this was. Uh, it, that that's one of the finest moments it, in the history of our Facebook page. Nothing else will always have the laughs. Yes. Yeah. You know what we should have done is I should have given you the heads up, Aaron, and read those to the accompanying video of that uh, Trump uh, tower meeting guy dancing oh, yes. around on that uh, yeah. that, that uh, cruise deck. Yeah. Just before we go on, there's more laughs coming. It is now I, Corey Harris, Corey Booker. I keep doing Green Bay Packer cornerback thing. And <laughs> Corey Booker and Kamala Harris... This redacted Mueller report is not enough. Congress needs to see the full unredacted Mueller report and all the investigations underlying evidence and special counsel Robert Mueller must testify publicly before Congress. The all laugh right. track will not die. All right, I have a, take, a quick take on this here. I'll tell you in just a second. But um, if you're struggling to get your kids to eat their vegetables, maybe you're struggling to eat your vegetables as well. Uh, let me tell you about a great product. It's called Field of Greens, uh, which is real. It's made up of real USDA organic fruits and vegetables, complete with antioxidants. Boost Immunity has antioxidant power, and it's prebiotic as well as probiotic as well, and it tastes great. 
Uh, you just stir it in a scoop of this with any water-based drink. I'm a frequent user of it. It's a great way to trick. Maybe you want to prefer to use the word inspire your kids to eat their fruits and vegetables. Right now, you can get this outstanding product. Maybe you, are you one of those like naked juice guys? I get that. Those are great. They're also like 9,000 grams of sugar. This doesn't have any sugar, and it's got all the same great taste as well. And when you turn over the label, too, it doesn't say supplement facts. It says nutrition facts because it's real food, guys, the real stuff, the real fruits and vegetables that, that's missing, uh, the vitamins missing from too many of, uh, of our diets here in America today. Do something about it right now. Go to BrickHouseSteve.com. BrickHouseSteve.com. Use my name, Steve, as the promo code when you go there, 15% off at BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. So quick thought on this. And I I was thinking about this right before we went on the air. When we talk about they're not going to let this go, and and maybe because we're going to have a, a pretty in-depth conversation about the future of American politics, where it's going from here after, uh, you know, post Mueller uh, with our roundtable tomorrow. So and, and we've only got a couple of minutes here. So I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there as an observation, let you guys chew on it for a while. And probably tomorrow on the show during the day group, we'll break it down a little bit more. If they don't talk about this, it's not just, yes, there's a Trump obsession. They have shown that. Okay, there's that that's not a debatable point. But it's not just a Trump obsession or we hate Trump. If they don't think about this politically for just a moment. And sometimes I think too much like that, you know, I'm a recovering uh uh political operative, so forgive me, okay? Um what else would they talk about? Socialism? Infanticide? Yeah, Netanyahu's racist. Um, I mean, Medicare for all. Those topics, yes, this topic fires up Trump's base, but it also fires up their base too. Talking about those other things kind of only fires up Trump's base. the, The issues are all, unless the economy tanks in the next year, goes in reverse from where it's at right now. Or there's a massive energy uh, issue and oil huge, but we're, we're pumping out as much oil right now as the Saudis are almost per capita. So unless there's something like that in the next 12 months, tell me what else they would talk about. They're on the wrong side of the American people on virtually every issue that their base wants them and these candidates want to highlight. I don't know what other issue they would talk about. And this is not new. I mean, would a would a liberal Democrat like Bill Clinton, who by today's standards would be a moderate Democrat, maybe even a conservative one, but would a liberal Democrat like Bill Clinton 25 years ago have been reelected if the economy were stagnant? Would he have, would he have beaten George Herbert Walker Bush? With, with the economy off the table, who is more in the mainstream of the American people on virtually every other issue, Bush or Clinton? Bush. Bush. With, with, with the economy and the collapse of Wall Street off the table in 2008, who was more in the mainstream of the American people on virtually every other issue, Barack Obama or John McCain? McCain. McCain. I mean, these guys only get elected when the economy goes bad, guys. So unless the economy goes bad, what other issue would they run on that isn't a point of diminishing returns for them? 
this might actually be their best issue, frankly. Something we'll discuss more in depth tomorrow. Theology Thursday is next. It is springtime. That's the good news. Bad news is, though, it's also allergy season. So if you've got itchy ears, ear pain, that plugged up feeling, some of those things are allergy related. That plugged up feeling may be, though, uh, just wax buildup or really anything else that may cause you uh, to get a prof- to need a professional ear cleaning. Because even if you don't have necessarily a wax buildup issue, a professional ear cleaning uh, would also help alleviate uh, several symptoms as well. If that sounds familiar to you, uh, you could be like millions of Americans who are bound for a pesky doctor visit this year for a professional cleaning, which means co-pays, doctor visits, waits in the waiting room, etc. What if you could avoid all of those things? You can uh, with the Wax RX. It uses a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes the beer, the, the buildup in the ear and then soothes the ear with that pH-conditioned formula. If that sounds like, hey, that's what they do when I go to the doctor, that's exactly why we said you don't have to go to the doctor anymore. Same professional results. And now you can get Wax RX as well without a prescription. So no more expensive trips, even to the pharmacy. We're waiting in line to get that prescription filled. Don't have to do that anymore either. You can try the WaxRx system risk-free today. Just go to usewaxrx.com. That's the website, usewaxrx.com. While you're there, use the offer code radio at checkout. If you do, they'll give you free shipping as well, so you'll save a few extra bucks there too. Usewaxrx.com. That's the website, all one word, usewaxrx.com, offer code radio. Well, we continue our series uh, for Theology Thursday here on the show. And we've been doing this uh, three-part series looking ahead to what culminates here with Good Friday and then Resurrection Sunday this weekend. And we started off the first week, we, we kind of looked at one of, one of the stories that takes place before Jesus' arrest, and it's with the adulterous woman. And it's one of the more famous stories in the New Testament, but we applied it to um, how, it, how it's a pretty good portrayal of the snapshot of the culture we are today. And you can go back to the podcast and listen to that from a couple of weeks back. Uh, last week, we took a look uh, at the, all of the major players that are now converging in the arrest uh, and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Who, who were all of these individuals? What was the driving motivational factor? At least as they saw things unfolding. What did they believe was the driving motivational factor? And then ultimately, it comes down to three principalities here. There's the religious order that represents one form of status quo. There is the overarching political uh, order that represents another status quo. That would be the Romans. Uh, And then there is, you know, kind of the micro uh, order, cultural order that just wants the show that isn't really serious about anything other than um, what entertains it. Um, And that would be Herod. And that all, and then the fourth power, of course, is Christ. All of us are going to choose to follow one of these authorities. Which one of the four are we going to choose? That was last week's message. This week, we're going to look at the resurrection itself. Okay? And last year, we did a podcast on this, on all the things. We did this on evidence for the resurrection from the opposite end. 
all, if the resurrection's not true, and why is that so important? Because if the resurrection isn't true, then the rest of Christianity's claims are forfeit at that point. Christianity is unique amongst every other religious system on planet Earth. It doesn't begin with a set of creeds or, or principles or values. It begins with the assertion of a historical fact. Did God supernaturally intervene in human history to raise a once dead human being to life again? Yes, then pay attention from here. No, then move on. Nothing to see here. It's one or the other. And the cut and dried nature of Christianity is what's made it so controversial. It's not easy, but it's pretty simple. Did Jesus rise again or not? Last year, we tackled this at this time from the perspective of the things you'd have to believe to reject the resurrection. Then you have to account for all of these things. What about evidences for the resurrection? I want you to watch this clip. You talk about the fact that when you were at Michigan State working on your PhD, you were a skeptic yourself. And the fact is the facts brought you to a belief in Jesus. And you have said there are at least 12 historical facts that are virtually by all critical scholars today, I'd like you to let us know what the case is. Start us off tonight. Well, uh, John, just to name some of the, those highlights, uh, virtually everybody today thinks that Jesus died uh, due to crucifixion. I mean, uh, John Crossan and, and uh, others from the Jesus Seminar say that's the most widely known fact in the ancient world. Mm-hmm. He was buried. He, uh, of course, this event inspired despair in the in the disciples now the the fact that the tomb was empty is admitted by most scholars but not as widely admitted as the rest in this list probably the single most important fact is that the disciples had experiences that they believed were appearances of the risen Jesus they were transformed as a result the resurrection was a central message they preached in Jerusalem the church was born we have some individuals like James and Paul two former skeptics one a family skeptic, one an outsider who, who persecuted Christians. And they also came to Christ by experiences that they believed were appearances of the risen Jesus. And uh, by the way, there's a lot of other uh, scholars today in the historical Jesus movement, uh, way far to the left of me, who also start with lists of facts just like this as sort of a common ground uh, from which we can deal with our data. Mm-hmm. Now, Tony, what do you think about uh, Habermas's facts there? Well, I don't dispute those facts, but I want to say, yes, but. I'm pausing it there for a reason, not to take him out of context. But that statement there by uh, Dr. Anthony Flew, I don't dispute his facts. Yes, but. So then we're not arguing now over what's true. We're arguing about what your opinion of the truth is. And that's largely predicated on your willingness to accept what the result of the truth turns out to be. If you think I'm wrong or I'm being unfair to Dr. Flew, let me give you the Paul Harvey rest of the story here. Shortly after losing this debate to Gary Habermas, Flew, who was considered one of the leading atheists of the 20th century, very likable man, learned man. Won't find too many people who ever said a crossword about Anthony Flew, whether they agreed with him or not. But shortly after this uh, debate, Flew published a book. Would you like to know its title? 
from one of the leading atheists of the 20th century. Here's the, here's the title. There is a God. How the world's most notorious atheist changed his mind. Oh. Now, Flew says in this book, after a lifetime of examining the evidence, that he came to the conclusion there was a God after all, and he gave three reasons. Number one, that nature obeys laws, which in his mind begged the question, why? And so the answer to that question would require, any answer to that question, would require design and thus a designer. That any answer to the question of any answer to the question of why nature obeys laws would require a designer. And impl- because it implies design. It, there's no other, there's no other possible answer. So the question then just becomes who's the designer? Number two, the dimension of life itself. For example, he said that there's a hierarchy, that some beings are more intelligent, empathetic, and able to reason. Uh, in other words, that human beings seem to be, shall we say, set apart uh, from the rest of life forms, which again, in his mind, only possible conclusion you could draw from that is that there's a design, and therefore there must be a designer. And then the third thing that summed up his change of heart is the very existence of nature itself. Why is there life at all? Why is there desire to achieve at all? Why is there desire to advance at all? Why do we exist at all? That without a designer, there's no point to the universe creating life like us particularly one able to mortally wound its own habitat, as mankind frequently does. All of these arguments, they're good arguments, by the way, good deductive reasoning. You know what, though? They're also arguments that Flew heard a million times prior to his change of heart. He debated scholars like Gary Habermas his entire lifetime. Came from a Christian home. He heard, all, he heard all these arguments. He could have accepted these arguments decades before he finally did. But he spent those years saying, yeah, but, instead. And that, that begs another question. Why? Let me reset for you, if you missed the video the first time we ran it. These are the 12 historical facts. No one's disputing these things. Number one, that Jesus died by crucifixion. Number two, that he was buried. Number three, that his death caused the disciples to despair and lose hope. Number four, that the tomb was empty, which to Gary's credit, he notes, that's the one that has the least amount of uh, of. historical uniformity, okay? The disciples had experiences which they believed were literal appearances of the risen Jesus, that the disciples were transformed from doubters to bold proclaimers, that the resurrection was their central message they were boldly proclaiming. They preached the message of Jesus' resurrection in Jerusalem. Why is that important? Because where did the events of his arrest and crucifixion all take place? And his burial within Jerusalem's city itself, or outskirts. So they are proclaiming something to people that were witnesses to the events they're claiming have now been essentially overcome. That's a tough audience to make your case to, in other words. Yeah, they're not going to be, they're not, they, they literally just watch this cat get dragged through the streets, guys. 
They're going to be the least prone to accept on blind faith this message. All right. That after preaching this message to these people in Jerusalem, which were the toughest audience possible to convert, oddly enough, the church was born and it, it actually grew. That Orthodox Jews who believed in Christ changed their day of primary worship to Sunday. Which also required changing their calendars. Basically, the fundamentals of how they live their lives on a daily basis, not just which day we go to church. You know, our family right now, we've got a, an adult daughter who works and is finishing school. And we're trying to line up everybody's schedules. Can we do Good Friday service and Sunday service? We go to a church that has Easter on Saturday. Which one should we do? They weren't looking for options of making this more available. They literally changed the way they were marking time by their acknowledgement of this event. James, his brother, was converted to the faith when he saw the resurrected Jesus. Paul, who held the cloaks of those who stoned the first martyr, maybe even encouraged it, he also was converted to the faith. These are facts. Facts. No one is debating. And no Twitter egg troll, Atheist69 me, on Twitter isn't a source, guys. No one. You don't know the names John Dominic Crossan and some of the names probably Gary Habermas mentioned. You ever watch those History Channel videos where they basically deconstruct Christianity? Those are you ever those are the people in those videos. Like John Dominic Crossan's like in every single one of them. Okay? He's not disputing these facts either. For those of you not old enough to remember, the Jesus Seminar was a was was an organization of leftists that got together, Ivy League leftists in the 90s who just got together and came out one day after meeting together and just decided the only parts of the Bible that are true are the ones they're willing to accept, starting with red letters. Nothing. If Jesus didn't say it in red letters, then, then, then it's not true. Which then posited the question, well, then if you're that skeptical, how do you even know that what's in the red letters is true? They literally just got together, I don't know, smoked a bowl, and said, hey, here's the parts we're willing to think are true. Largely based off of what they wanted to be true. This almost sounds like a conversation we had last hour. Totally different topic. The reason, the reason Anthony Flew said, yeah, but, for so many decades, is the same reason that we continue to say, yeah, but, today. Even if you don't have all the fancy degrees Dr. Flew had, you're not as amenable. Maybe even you're chummier than he. But really... You're the same if you're saying, yeah, but deep down inside. You're saying, yeah, but not on the basis of whether this is objectively true. But on the cost of subjectively acknowledging that which is true. That's why you're doing it. That's why I did it too. I, I, liked, my, I liked my junk. I liked my stuff. I like shacking up with Amy before we were married. I was getting sex without any commitment. I did. I said, yeah, but for the same reasons, you're saying them too. Some of you may say, well, I, you know, I come from a, a, a religious tradition where if I acknowledge this, I'm going to be scorned. Well, I didn't come from any religious tradition. And when I started acknowledging it, my family, they started scorning, some, scorning me too. 
They thought we, we they thought we was nuts. They thought we'd gone nuts literally overnight. Nuts. Cray, cray. See, this isn't about whether this is objectively true. This is about whether subjectively, what's the cost of acknowledging that which we all know is true? See, it's true whether we acknowledge it or not. That's the cut and dried aspect of Christianity. Jesus did or didn't walk out of that tomb, whether you believe it or not. The sun is hot and water is wet, whether you believe it or not. So as you listened to or heard or watched those 12 facts, ask yourself this question. Is the reason I don't believe the resurrection because I dispute those facts that largely aren't in dispute, even among skeptics? Or because I'm, yeah, but. Meaning the cost of believing them is one you're not willing to pay. Let me close by then posing this question to you. Have you considered the cost of not believing them? I mentioned this earlier in the show. I want to close out by mentioning it one more time. Home title fraud is one of the criminal crazes, unfortunately, sweeping the nation. Don't let this happen to you. One of our listeners, viewers, sent me a report out of uh, Philly, Back uh, in February during the wintertime, a couple kept getting up and seeing their house was listed for sale and they weren't selling it. And it's because a guy in North Carolina had pilfered their title and kept putting their home up for sale while they were still living in the home. They were victims of home title fraud. Don't let this happen to you. Protect your most valuable asset uh, this side of eternity, uh, your own home. And you can do it with our friends at Home Title Lock. For just pennies a day, they put a virtual barrier around your home's title, mortgage, vis-a-vis your equity. If you want to learn more, go to HomeTitleLock.com. While you're there, you can register your home for a free title scan and report to see if your home's already been compromised. Normally, they charge 100 bucks for this, but maybe you missed it. I just used the word free. It's free today. If you register your home at HomeTitleLock.com, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Final thoughts, gentlemen, as we close out our series on Easter. Well, I remember a phrase, and I'm sure many of you do as well, that R.C. Sproul will use when he's wrapping up a conversation, and uh, it's a common, fairly common. In the final analysis, and that's a phrase you would use if you are making a decision based on facts and logic and reason, and our faith is a very reasonable faith. It is, um, if, if, if you come to... Um, those 12 facts that you just mentioned, are these facts or are they not? Are you pregnant or are you not? You know, they can be true or they are not. If they are true, then what does that mean? And what does that mean in your final analysis? Um, But at the same time, when you come to faith, are you coming to, are you making a reasonable, a, a rational decision? Yes. Are you making an emotional decision? Yes. Are you, uh, are you entering into a, a relationship? The, the answer ultimately is yes. A relationship is not science. It's not an art. It's a relationship. And that needs to be at the front of our minds all of the time. Don't forget the Blaze TV roundtable coming later today. Until then, John 317.
This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.